Okay, close your eyes and keep them closed. Depending who you are, what isn't, right? If you're going to sleep to this, I hope you're tucked in really cozy. Lana is giving you a little nose sniff on the cheek. Lana, do you want to come here and do a nose sniff? Very good. Very good nose sniff, Lana. I guess there's no other kind of sniff than a nose sniff, but then again, I am not a medical professional. I am a clinically sleepy person who just did a sleep study and who apparently has to do another sleep study. <laughs> I'll talk more about that in a bit, including how to get the glue out of your hair when it's over, but basically I prefer sleeping at home. Are you gonna, are you gonna settle down? Okay, there, yeah, that's good. When I started this podcast, I never dreamt, <laughs> dreamt, sleepy word, that it would go on so long that I would be making sequels to episodes. The real Sleepy Bitch Hours episode was two and a half years ago. I have been asleep for two and a half years and I'm only just starting to do something about it besides make jokes about it. It's hard to make a podcast when you're asleep, let me tell you. It's also hard when there's a restless pig in your vicinity. You gonna relax now? God, how many people have said that to me? My therapist recently asked me how long I've been absurdly sleepy, like needing multiple naps or sleeping up to 20 hours a day style sleepy. Time is an illusion, 
break free from the tyranny of the clock, I said, no, just kidding. I started to try to figure out how long I've been sleepy for. We've talked before, I think in the recording despair episode, about how important it is to take notes related to how you're doing, medication changes, rough patches, appointments, all that stuff, but it's kind of bordering on ridiculous the amount of stuff I'm realizing I should have recorded over the years. Like, I wish I took a 360 degree video of my life 24 hours a day and stored it in a virtual capsule like the time machine does for Mac with a way to search through the historical database by every available word known to myself at any given time including misspellings and also the ability to search by image or what I vaguely think an image looked like. A game I like to play is taking artworks and entering them into AliExpress's image search on their app, then looking through the products it recommends. You can't do it with really famous paintings because there will be stuff there with the actual Mona Lisa or Van Gogh on it, but if I have AliExpress scan an Alex Soth photo of Charles Lindbergh's childhood bed in Minnesota, it's really a cot, then I get some furniture in the color scheme of the photograph, thigh-high white boots, a blue thong, all in the approximate color palette, but that's a visual thing and this is a podcast. Maybe someday I'll get into live streaming or something. If you want that, please tell me. I am considering it. As has become clear, I am an obsessive documenter. Not the most obsessive, but barely obsessive. Ten years ago today, I worked an afternoon cooking shift making burritos at an El Salvadorian cafe, then talked to my mom on the phone in the evening. I was subletting a studio loft with my ex that cost $800 a month between us. God damn. I spent a lot of time on Tumblr, thought I was working on a novel, was working on an EP for a label from Ukraine based in the same city my ex's grandparents were from. I had a flip phone and my roots were growing in. I still have the white shirt I put on after work, but I don't wear it often because it wrinkles easily. It took me over an hour to piece that together from various sources, and I apologize for the digression, but now I officially remember more about May 22nd, 2011 than I do about yesterday. But we are here to talk about therapy, not how much I need therapy. 
What I'm saying is, even while I was hoarding data, I wasn't documenting anything specifically related to sleep because at the time, sleep was neutral, a state of nothingness that floated in at the end of the day, which cast doubt onto my whole advice thing about trying to record what's going on with yourself, limits arise, you'll never know what you'll want to remember in the future, and that 360, 24-7 personal archive thing does not and arguably should not exist. Are you asleep yet? <laughs> when I tried to make a sleep history for my therapist, the best archive I found was actually the memes I make on Instagram, or as I call them in therapy, comics. Follow me on Instagram, it's at dying but fine. I was able to pinpoint the rise of sleepiness as a lifestyle in this very scientific way. Sure, I've fallen asleep on break at work for as long as I can remember, but there was a time when I didn't need to plan naps as buttresses around appointments and obligations where lying in bed wasn't an overwhelming temptation or compulsion. Just a place I had to sometimes reluctantly spend a third or fourth of my life so I didn't feel stupid and grumpy. The change was gradual, and I had a lot going on, so I didn't take note of it, and I still struggle to understand how I got here, never mind why. Are my sleep issues a random trauma response from my brain, a side effect to my meds, regular depression, something else? Before recording this, I really felt like I had to figure everything out, but then I remembered that that isn't what we're doing here, and it's not possible to know anything definitively anyway. It's all a spectrum, and when I'm looking out from my electrically charged flesh capsule at a chaotic universe, I have to do the best I can within my enormous limitations moment by moment or whatever, although it would be nice to have slightly less limitations. For a while during the pandemic, I was seeing my therapist from bed after everything switched to being virtual. I had to stop because I'd be so close to falling asleep, it seemed like a waste. Pre-pandemic, I would feel extremely sleepy in session. Emotion or any talk about my feelings triggered what I called a heaviness. There were days in her office where I almost fell asleep in the chair. It's been over three years since I became very sleepy. It's been over three years since I started seeing my therapist. I'm sure that means nothing, so I haven't examined that correlation too much. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm thinking about it often. I wasn't keeping my sleepiness a secret or only making jokes about it. I did tell my doctor who tested me for stuff like 
thyroid problems and put me on iron supplements, which did give me an energy boost. I was anemic. I had a diagnosis. There was recovery in sight, except years passed and the real sleepy bitch lifestyle didn't stop. This year, a new psychiatrist said to try a sleep study and the sleep study gave me a new diagnosis. I have been deemed sleepy. Pathologically sleepy. What's up, Rumpelstiltskin? Wait, no. I mixed up Rumpelstiltskin and Rippenwinkle. I should know my famous sleepers by now, but I don't. Feel free to send me famous sleeping icons. Anyway, I just found out Harry Dean Stanton played Rip Van Winkle, the sleepy beard one, on Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. I found it online, it's on YouTube. Speaking of online, a place I know nothing about. I found this thing called the Epworth Sleepiness Scale. Feel free to do it if you enjoy online quizzes. Just if you're curious and online quizzes don't give you panic attacks, I did have to fill out a similar questionnaire if not the same one at the sleep study, so it might be helpful, but I'm just saying this as a sleepy podcaster. I am not a doctor. Online self-tests were a big thing for me as a kid. Teen magazines would post them. You could see which Buffy the Vampire character you were. Then you could surf around to other sites and find out if you had depression, if you were bipolar, if anyone would ever love you, all that stuff. It was a golden age of self-discovery. If you're listening to this podcast, you have probably been online, so you know about search engines and how you can type in a series of keywords to find out what might be wrong with you. I've been told by doctors that as a highly anxious person, I should not do this, but obviously I do it. I do wonder what life would be like if I didn't spend so much time reading about various human pathologies and looking at stock photos of young women pouting, students asleep on their desks, cartoons tormented by storm clouds. Back when I read books, there was this trope in old novels where rich people were always going off to get some seaside air, right? They can't Google their symptoms, so some old-timey doctor comes by and tells them they need to spend a year by the sea, and they're the leisure class, so they go and do it. I mean, I'm sure Back then, there were ways people could stress out researching their health problems, but it likely involved more effort 
than it does now. I wasn't there, so I'm not sure. This is not a history podcast. History podcast would make me lose my mind more. I will flash back now through to about a month ago when I did a polysomography test, which is the one where you sleep overnight hooked up to a bunch of wires and a multiple sleep latency test, MSLT, more acronyms, where you spend the day waiting for permission to take short naps hooked up to less wires. The overnight one is more common, I think especially if you're having problems falling asleep. The daytime one tests more for oversleeping, things like narcolepsy. The sleep clinic I went to was not like the one in Lars von Trier's The Kingdom. You have your own room and it's not haunted. No one seems like they're praying to Beelzebub. Actually, everyone was really nice and I say that as someone who doesn't like to be touched or videotaped while I'm sleeping or startled awake via intercom in the darkness. Okay, we're going to keep this session now. Okay. Stay in bed for two more minutes. Okay. Six times. That happened six times. Being hooked up to wires was also fine, but I can fall asleep literally anywhere wearing anything. Some people have told me they struggled to fall asleep sleep studies. My advice would be to go in as tired as possible. I wasn't allowed to have coffee the day before afternoon or take any naps and I walked across the city to get to the clinic so when I got there and found out I couldn't just hop right into bed right away it was a problem. I'm sorry it sounds like I'm bragging, I'm really not trying to. Before I did the study, I was warned about the glue they use in your hair to keep the wires on your head. The glue on my face came off with regular hand soap, so I assumed shampoo would be fine, but shampoo was not fine. When I got home, I spent 15 minutes in the shower rubbing a literal bar of soap onto my scalp. For weeks after, I had to struggle to bring my hair back to what I'm used to, which as some of you know, my hair is already bleached to hell. My major advice is try not to dye your hair immediately before or after going to a sleep clinic. Again, I am not a professional in this area either, but please don't do it. I made a half hour video review on my Patreon if you want to see what the clinic was like and I wrote about it in my last newsletter. That's patreon.com slash crystaljacks, K-R-I-S-T-E-L-J-A-X.
earlier this week, I got my sleep study results, which as I mentioned already, are basically you are clinically sleepy, which is a real medical term, and you need another sleep study. I don't have sleep apnea. I kick in my sleep to the point where the kicking needs to be looked into further. Narcolepsy didn't turn up, but that could be because I didn't stop taking Prozac before the test, which was a risk I was willing to take for it to interfere with the results because without it I feel dangerously, disastrously sad and I actually had to really advocate for myself to not have to go cold turkey off Prozac. Now I feel annoyed with myself and my decision like I was protecting what my ability to stay stable and make a podcast. I didn't make one anyway. I'm sure there's other stuff I care about too like my ability to discern my place in reality. I will learn to live with my regrets. The sleep doctor, oh to be a sleep doctor, said next they'll test for idiopathic hypersomnia which is medically speaking a tab I've had open on my phone for months but been ignoring. Today I discovered that if you search idiopathic hypersomnia on YouTube there's a video by someone named Meow Meow Kapow where the thumbnail just reads narcolepsy. It sucks. I watched the whole thing and it's pretty good if you want something personal instead of scientific. Meow claims most people could benefit from investigating their sleep behaviors, which I'd say is true. Personally, one reason that particular lack of positive or negative diagnosis does, like narcolepsy itself, suck is that I've been taking a medication called modafinil for a few months, which is a drug for narcolepsy. Disability insurance won't cover it unless you have narcolepsy, but sometimes it's prescribed to help pilots stay alert and apparently some Silicon Valley stock market weirdos buy it online to help them focus and do more of whatever it is they do. But my psychiatrist prescribed it as a shot in the dark for me to keep from spending more than half my life in bed. And diagnosis or not, the medication has been working and thus draining my bank account since I am not a stockbroker. Not yet. Maybe I'll soon be awake enough to be one. Look out Wall Street, girl boss on the way. <laughs> Just kidding, I think. Lately, I sleep a lot less and when I stopped taking modafinil for two weeks before the sleep study because it had to be out of my system for the tests, I was shocked at how much stronger the need to nap was during those two weeks. It was like going back to square one, pillow one. 
quit. After the test, I started taking a pill every morning again, and the change was immediate. It's hard to describe how it feels to me to be taking a medication that works. There's elation. Maybe this is my recovery narrative. Better late than never. Hey, buddy. But there is also dread because I've been here before many times. Hey, buddy. Don't ever leave me. What will happen if, or more likely when, it stops working or after overwhelming side effects creep in? I haven't talked about it much on here, but clonopin or benzos, the fluffy cloud simulating anti-anxiety scourges of the earth, which I have thankfully not taken in a year and a half. They do work for some people, but be careful with those things, taught me just because something is prescribed doesn't mean it isn't going to fuck up my life. Since the meds are working for now for the next sleep study, I'm supposed to keep taking them, sleep over for another 22 hours, and then everything will get wrapped up in a nice little bow. That is a joke. This is a comedy show. Over the phone, the sleep doctor recommended that if I am taking naps, which I still have to do, I should try to cut them down to 20 minutes or less. Longer naps mean a deep sleep, he said, leading to mental fog. I would have said the opposite, but only one of us has a medical degree. I have a podcast on the internet and a recovery narrative that looks like a child's drawing of a tornado. Your homework this six-week period, this, I, I don't know when I'll, I'll be back, I'll be back. Your homework this time is to figure out where you were 10 years ago today. What resources do you have to look back with? photos, emails, a journal, actual memories. It's okay if you have literally no idea, but give it a try if you feel up for it. What was your bed like? What were your sleeping habits like? What were your neurochemicals up to? Who was your favorite pony on Friendship is Magic? Why was it Fluttershy? We'll listen to a drone song by Friend of the Pod and fellow clinically sleepy person, Montreal's Skin, in a minute. But first, allow me to share that, like the last time we did Sleepy Bitch Hours, this is Sleepy Bitch Hours 2, by the way, there will be a bonus to this episode up on my Patreon for Infinity Pals and Up. That's Crystal Jacks, K-R-I-S-T-E-L-J-A-X on Patreon. My website is crystaljacks.com. I am doing a bunch of things this summer I can't tell anyone about yet, like a couple, so check up on me. Subscribe, share, all that, and if you want the song by Skin, it will be on my Bridget Bar Don't Bandcamp, and anything you donate for the track goes to them, or you can just go to Skin Noise 
www.bandcamp.com. When they're awake, Skin uses, and this is a quote, field recordings and homemade electronics, cassette tape loops, and found samples to make ambient soundscapes that surge into overwhelming chaos. Honored to have them here for this episode. Next time, we'll be back with more interpersonal effectiveness and dialectical behavioral therapy. Yay, I guess. Alana, do you want to say bye? She is asleep. Here, you can hear her sleep and then you can hear skin.